Galatians chapter number 6, verses 14 through 16. If you found it, say praise the Lord. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. As many as walk according to this rule, peace. Anybody want peace? Anybody like to have peace? All right, God, only give peace to those that raise their hands. <laughs> if I had three hands, I'd raise them. Peace be on them and mercy. And upon the Israel of God. This morning I preached about the God of Israel. Tonight I want to preach about the Israel of God. Lord, I pray have your way. Lord, I ask you to move here tonight. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost speak a word into somebody's life that will be transformative. God, your word is the seed according to what you told us. So God, I pray let the seed of your word bring forth fruit to harvest. I pray, God, let us leave here different than we came. Let there be a change that transpires when our faith mixes with your word. And God, I pray, confirm your word with signs following. Let there be a release of the Holy Ghost in this place tonight, oh God, that moves in people's lives and does things that only you can do. God, I thank you for your help and I thank you for your anointing in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. As you're being seated, God bless you. This morning, we spent considerably considerable time talking about the transition of Jacob to being Israel, the deceiver, the supplanter, the cheater, the liar, into Israel, the prince who has power with God and men. We focused primarily, primarily this morning on the individual transformative story of Jacob's life and the implications of what God chose to be called and what God chose for him to be called. The God of Israel and the God of Jacob. Tonight we transition to the New Testament. I will tell you that the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. I submit that the whole Bible is not only about Jesus Christ, but it's also about his church. From the merciful act of God towards fallen humanity in the Garden of Eden, it has always been in the mind of God for him to have a church, an ecclesia, a called out group of people. The blessing of Abraham, according to the scripture, was for all the families of the earth, not only for Abraham's seed. It was the plan of God to bless Abraham and Israel so much that when the world looked at them, they would want their God. They would want to worship like they worshiped, and they would want to pray like they prayed, and they 
will want to live like Israel lived under the glory and the power and the majesty of God. It was God's plan for Israel to be an example and for the world to want to see the glory of God. God wanted the world to see the joy that came with serving God and the blessings that came from serving him so that the whole world would want that God to be their God also. May I tell you tonight that there should be such joy in our worship and in our lifestyle that the world craves the peace that we have in our life. There should be something about the way we live for God that shows people that you can have peace in the midst of the storm, joy in the midst of sorrow. The world craves the joy that we have. God's people should not be wringing our hands in fear in these last days. But we should be looking up because we know our redemption draws nigh. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, and I'm trying to keep a a, a steady pace here because I, I feel like God has given me a word for somebody in this place tonight. God wrote to the church at Galatia to keep them grounded in the truth in the midst of a wicked generation. He introduced what he himself called the rule. Paul said, if you live by this rule, the word rule there in the original Greek, it means a boundary or a line or a standard. He said, I'm giving you a boundary. I'm giving you a line. I'm giving you a standard of conduct. And if you'll live by this standard of conduct, then there will be a blessing that comes on your life. So here was the simple rule that Paul gave them. In verse 14, he said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was a man who was highly esteemed by the church and by the kingdom of God. When Paul wrote letters, they would take what he wrote and they would copy it word for word and they would take that exact copy and they would pass it around to all the church so that everyone could hear the counsel of Paul's words. He was mightily used of God. God worked the supernatural through the ministry of Paul. Amen. He was anointed by God in preaching and in teaching. He was no stranger to miracles, signs, and wonders. Paul was always getting requests to pray for someone, preach to someone, teach someone. Paul was, for his time, a Christian celebrity. It would be easy for Paul to begin to think that he was something special, that it was all about him and that it was his anointing that made the difference. But the, part, the first part of Paul's rule was, I will never glory in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul said, if you want to live this rule, it means it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. It's not my power it's his power. It's not all about me. It's all about the power of the cross. Paul said, if you're going to glory in anything, glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. If you can sing like a bird, it's because Christ gave you the ability. If you can preach the house down, it's because of the cross of Jesus Christ. If we're anything, it all goes back to that old rugged cross that our Savior died on. It's the blood of Jesus that makes the difference. 
It's not my power. It's not my ability. It's not my anything. It's the blood of Christ that changes people's lives. It's the cross that pulls the addict out of addiction, that takes the desire for alcohol out of the alcoholic. It's the cross that changes people's lives. Never feel like you've done anything. Always understand, if I'm going to glory in anything, it's about the cross. It's about Jesus. He made the difference. He is the answer. He is the solution. He's the life changer. He's the one that turns it off. It's about the cross. I'm not unique, special, powerful, or anything. It's because of the cross. But because it's not based on me, because it's not about me, then that means all things are possible. It's not my power that overcomes. It's the power of the cross that overcomes. And so I understand that because it's not about me, then what God does is not subject to what I'm weak in and to what I can do or can't do. I've come to tell you, it doesn't matter if you have the greatest talent in the world and the greatest preacher in the world. If God doesn't move, we're wasting our time. But the flip side of that is, it doesn't matter what happens. When God decides to move, then nothing can stop the move of God because it's all about the cross. Don't tell me God can't use you because it's not about you. It's about the cross. Don't tell me you can't do anything for God because it's not about you. It's about the cross. Can I preach a little bit longer? Then Paul went on in the same verse and he gave the second part of his rule. He said, I'm crucified to the world and the world to me. When I found the cross, it didn't give me a get-out-of-jail-free card. When I found the cross, I got nailed to the world, and the world got nailed to me. When I found the cross, it became about me being on a mission to reach the world with the cross that came and reached me. He said, I'm not here for me, but I'm here for the world. Amen. Can I, can I just preach a little bit what I feel? Can I just tell you something and not hurt your feelings but tell you how it is? It's not all about me and you, brother and sister. It's about a world that needs Jesus. It's not all about where, how far we've come and what we've done. It's about a world that needs Jesus. Paul said, when the cross got a hold of me, I became crucified. I became, I became dead. I became dead to myself. I became responsible for the lost world around me. When I found the cross, I became crucified to the world and the world to me. He said, I'm nailed to this world, and this world is nailed to me. Oh, God, help me tonight. Paul said, when, I got the, when the cross got a hold of me, I, I became part of the mission to save the world. Can I tell you a hard saying that's still true? A Christian who's not involved in the mission of reaching the world is a Christian who is outside the rules of the cross. Amen. Praise God. When, when, I, when I only serve God for my own blessings and I have no responsibility to a lost, dying world and I do nothing to help the church reach the lost, then I've broken a standard. I've crossed a boundary. 
I've broken a rule of the scripture. Amen. Can I tell you that we have a strong biblical standard of holiness in this church? And I'm not ashamed of how we live our life. And I don't back up on what the Bible tells us when it comes to how we live our life. Our men look like men and our women look like women. We reject worldliness and carnality. We reject the idea that you have to be made up, dolled up, painted up to be beautiful. We believe you're beautiful because God made you the way you are. Your value isn't in what you put on your face and your hands. Your value is in the spirit of God that's inside of your heart. Am I still preaching the Bible? Our women don't wear what pertains to a man, and our men don't wear what pertains to a woman. That's our standard. That's a biblical standard. That's a Bible standard. But brothers and sisters, those are not the only standards of the church. Paul's rule, Paul's standard was when I got found by the cross, it became my responsibility to carry the cross to the lost world. When the cross found me, I became responsible for carrying this cross to the wounded, to the hurting, to the lost, to the backslider. I became crucified to the world. say something here and don't get your feels all stirred up but you can live every holiness standard on the outward but you can't be holy if you're not also reaching people and involved in the mission of the church amen hallelujah amen y'all wish we had another evangelist here tonight don't you but you can't be holy and be uninvolved you can't, it doesn't matter how long your hair is or your skirt is or how, how clean cut you are. You cannot be holy and sit on a pew and never do anything to reach anybody with the gospel. Let your family and your coworkers be lost and go to hell and never pray for them and never talk to them and never reach for them. Paul said, this is the standard of the church. This is the rule of the church. When the cross finds you, you're responsible to the world now. Paul said, when the cross got a hold of my life, I became crucified to the whole world. It's not just about me and my four and no more. It's about a world that's around us that's lost. And it's the, I know you don't want me to preach it because you want to sit on a pew and be lazy. You want to drop an envelope in and say, I've done all I need to do. But the rule of the church is you've got to be crucified to a lost world. True holiness involves mission. Whew, hallelujah. I was going to say it again, but because you told me to, I'm going to say it again with more emphasis. You cannot be holy. True holiness involves mission. I don't care if it's mowing the grass, picking up trash, handing out flyers, knocking on doors, cooking food, visiting the hospital, doesn't matter. But you got to do something to be involved in the kingdom of God. Every visitor ought to have their hands shaken a hundred times before they get out of this door. Everybody ought to be reached for, loved, talked to, ever, because it's the mission. True, holiness. Don't tell me you found the cross if you don't care if anybody's lost. Verse number 15, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Paul said the main thing here is we got to get people born again. That word creature means creation. 
He said, what's important is we help people become new creations in Christ. It's about people being born again. It's about their life being transformed from sin to Christ-likeness, from shame to the power of God. It's about people being recreated or being a new creature in Christ. Paul's rule, his standard, says that we are to become new creations. We don't accept sinfulness in our life and just ignore it and say, well, that's just how I am. We, they, amen. There was a dispute in the early church. I'm, I'm half teaching a Bible study, half preaching. They used to call it treaching. I, I don't know if we call it peaching or what. Peaching sounds better, doesn't it? We like peaching. Paul said this is the rule. It's not about it's not about circumcision. Here's what was going on in the church. The Jewish Christians were the first ones to get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. The first few days of the church, every one of them were Jews that had been converted to Christianity. And in their mind, their whole life, their mind had been centered around the covenant of circumcision. That if you're not circumcised, you're not in covenant. They didn't understand that in the New Testament, baptism in Jesus' name is the circumcision. According to Paul in, in, Philippians, in, in uh, Colossians chapter number 3, when he said we're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh, by being buried with him in baptism. I submit that the Bible doctrine of circumcision in the New Testament is baptism in Jesus' name. And if you're not baptized in the New Testament, if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, you're not in covenant with Jesus Christ. Because Paul said the covenant is circumcision. It's buried with him in baptism. Amen. And so there was an argument in the early church because the Jewish Christians, they were telling all the newcomers from out in the world that if you come in the church, you have to be circumcised according to Moses' law. And the new, the new people coming in, the, the Greeks and the Arabians and all the people from all around the world that were coming into the church, they said, I want the Holy Ghost. I want to be born again, but I'm not necessarily excited about getting circumcised. And the Jews said, well, if you don't, then you can't be in the church. And so Paul said, here's the problem, y'all. Circumcision doesn't make any difference. Praise God. He said, in Christ Jesus, it's neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. You want to follow the old law? Follow the old law. But it's not going to do you any good because you're not under the law. You're in Christ. He said, what really matters is that you're a new creation. It's not if you went back and followed the law of Moses, but did you get born again? Are you a different person by the power of the cross of Christ? May I tell you, I don't want to get bogged down and arguing with a whole bunch of people about a whole bunch of stuff. What I want to know is can we reach people with this power of Jesus Christ and watch their lives be turned around? It's new creation. I want to see lives changed. I want to see families changed. I want to see marriages put back together. I want to see people who have their sanity brought back. I want people delivered from things that abound them for their whole life. I want to watch restoration come in people's lives. He said, don't get bogged down on that stuff. It's about being a new creation. May I just tell you, you may not like my style of music. I'm going to say everybody under 30 don't like my style of music. You may not like 
I may not like the way you shout. You may not like the way I act. You may not like anything about me, and I may not like anything about you. But it's not about me, and it's not about you. It's about flies being transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's winning souls, people. It's changing people's lives. It's turning people around. We don't have time to argue over little stuff. You don't like them and they don't like you and you don't like this and they don't like that. We don't have time for that. We got to turn this world around. We got a job to do. I'm going to say when people argue about a bunch of ridiculous little things, it's because they're too bored. They're not busy enough. Amen. Busy people don't have time to get caught up in foolish arguments. Busy people don't have time to worry about who's getting the glory and who's doing this and who's doing that. They're too busy to care. They just want to see lives transformed. May I ask you that for the next, that as we come into the coming new year, as we step into 22, can we make it our heartbeat to see lives transformed? Can we make it all about people being new creations? Can we not judge them by how they walk in the door, but how they walk out? Can we give them grace enough to get through their trials and their troubles and their problems? Uh, can we give them enough mercy just to let the Holy Ghost get a chance to get a hold of their heart? Can we be about new creation and new creatures? Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody take a deep breath. The hard part's over. Then he goes in the next, in verse 16. As many as walk according to this rule. As many as live by this standard, peace be on them and mercy. Let me tell you, God has a way. Let me back up and say it this way. God has a soft spot for people who are about his work and his mission. When somebody is about reaching the world and reaching lost people and people's lives being new creatures, God has a way of meeting them at the point of their need. Amen. I've watched people whose own life were in chaos, but God led them to witness to somebody. And when they witnessed to somebody else, God brought peace into their own life. That the more they poured into somebody else, the more peace God poured into them. I've watched people that I knew they were messed up. I knew they had problems. I knew their life was in turmoil. I knew they had financial trouble. I knew they were dealing with all kinds of emotional trouble. And they were dealing with a lot of stress and pressure. But I've watched them as they stepped up and began to pour into somebody else. And the more they poured into somebody else, the more peace God began to pour on them. And the more they helped somebody else, the more God helped them. And the more they lifted up somebody else, the more God lifted them up. He said, if you'll live by this rule, peace will be on you. Oh God, I want peace. God, I want peace, but I don't want peace without a price. I'm willing to do what I got to do to reach others so your peace will reach me. And mercy. He said, if you'll be about this rule, you'll have mercy in your own life. It's amazing. We want mercy for ourselves, but not always for others. He said, but if you'll begin to put others first, if you'll be crucified to this world and this world to you, and you'll get over all these foolish little things, and you'll, you'll just begin to focus on people becoming new creatures, he said, peace will come to you and mercy. 
My mercy will find you. My mercy will touch your family. My mercy will come on your mind. When you feel like you can't make it, my mercy will help you make it. When you feel like you can't do it, my mercy will help you do it. When you feel like you can't make anything happen, my mercy will show up for you. And Paul said, if you live by this standard, then my peace and my, God's peace and God's mercy will find you. And then he made a statement that's only used one time in all the Bible. He calls the church the Israel of God. Very interesting passage of scripture. Because we always find him being the God of Israel. But Paul said you can be the Israel of God. If you live by this rule. If you want glory in anything but the cross. Be crucified to the world and the world to you. And you will be all about people being new creations. He said, peace and mercy will come to you. And you will be the Israel of God. When God gave Jacob a new name, he did not hide his reason for choosing the name he did. He called him Israel. And he said, here's the reason why you're called Israel. Because you have power with God and with man and have prevailed. That's Genesis 32, 28. I'm changing your name because you have power with God, men, and you have prevailed. The name Israel was not just about the struggle. It was also about the victory. It's one thing to be in a struggle. We all have struggles. About a thousand years after Jacob wrestled with the angel, the prophet Hosea wrote about it. In Hosea 12 and 4, yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. Everybody say prevailed. It's important to note that Jacob struggled and prevailed. It's not enough just to struggle. But we got to win our struggles. Amen. Prevailing is an essential idea behind the name of Jacob, behind the new name of Jacob when he was called Israel. It wasn't just because he struggled, but it's because he struggled and he prevailed. I've come tonight to remind this church that not only is he the God of Israel, Amen. He's not only the God of Israel, but he wants us to be the Israel of God. A soul-winning, disciple-making, Holy Ghost mission-minded church of the living God. I don't only want the God of Israel to be my pacifier when I need help, and to be my rescue when I'm in trouble. I don't only want the God of Israel to be my... My, my help when I have a trouble or a problem, but I also want to be the Israel of God. I want to be an on fire, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, soul winning, red hot, apostolic church of the living God. Never forget. Oh God. Hallelujah. If you'll help me preach hard for about five minutes, I'll be done. I want you to never forget. Never forget that the God of Israel will part the Red Sea for the Israel of God. The God of Israel will bring manna from heaven for the Israel of God. The God of Israel will bring down the walls of Jericho for the Israel of God. The God of Israel will stop a lion's mouth for the Israel of God. I've come to preach victory 
and revival and dominion and power and miracles and signs and wonders are the birthright of the Israel of God. Everything that is in God is in the Israel of God. Everything that God has is for the Israel of God. Amen. I am the Israel of God. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Amen. I think I spend 90% of my time trying to help Christians have better self-esteem about their walk with God. I believe I spend most of my sermons trying to preach people into believing that everything that this book says they are and can have and do, that they really are, they really can have, and they really can do. Brother Stan, I think I spend most of my ministry trying to convince people that have the Holy Ghost that you really can do what this book says you can do. I've come to tell the church, you're not just a nobody. You are the Israel of God. The hand of God is on you. The power of God is in you. And everything that God can do, he can do for you. I wish somebody would say, I am the Israel of God. When I pray, I expect God to answer. When I worship, I expect God to move. When I ask him, I believe it's going to be done because I'm the Israel of God. And if he'll part the Red Sea, if he'll bring down the walls of Jericho, then I believe that he'll do it for you and I. I expect miracles to happen. Look at somebody, give them a high five and tell them, I expect miracles to happen. I expect breakthroughs to happen. I'm expecting the Holy Ghost to move in this place for somebody. I'm expecting somebody to call and say, Pastor, God healed me tonight. I'm expecting somebody to say, I've been praying for them. And they called me and said they want to come to church. I expect it because we are the Israel of God. I expect it. Let me tell you what I'm expecting. I, I know it's... it's, it's uh, Early December, but I'm, I'm, already, I'm already in 2022. My body's about three or four weeks behind where my spirit is. I'm already, I'm, I'm already over Christmas. Amen. I'm already over celebrating. I'm already over all that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to eat. Amen. I'm going to unwrap stuff. I'm going to do all that stuff. But my brain is already on 2022. Because I see us as the Israel of God in this community. And I'm expecting the power of God to flow through you. Amen. Not just through this pulpit, but through you. That everywhere you go, you're not just a kid in school. You're not just a guy at work. You're not just a lady at Walmart. You are the Israel of God. And everywhere you go, the glory of God goes with you. If you'll live by this rule, if you'll be mission-minded, when you step out and you say in Jesus' name, you ought to expect God to move because you're the Israel of God. You are the child of God, the children of God, the people of God. Amen. When somebody comes to you and says, I don't know what to do. My life's a mess. You know what they ought to do. You've got the answer. And when you speak it, you ought to expect God to move. I'm already expecting the greatest year of revival that we've ever had. I'm already, I flipped the calendar in my mind already a few days ago. I'm already looking at what God's going to do through some of your ministries and some of your families and some of your lives. Tonight, you don't know how it's going to work out, but over the next few weeks and months, you're going to stand up and say, I am the Israel of God. I'm closing. Seriously. When you walk into the prayer room, you should expect God to show up. 
because you're not a powerless, weak, good-for-nothing nobody. You are the Israel of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Randy, I like it when you say come on and say amen. Man, I like hearing that voice. Praise God. Thank you for all, all these years you've helped me preach. And all these years I've heard you. Thank you, Brother Randy, for always being a voice of encouragement back there. I, you don't know how much I preach. Brother Bishop Wilson and I were talking about it a few weeks ago, how good it feels when we hear you say amen back there. Thank you. Thank you for being that voice. Amen. Thank you. And not just him, but all of us. It just popped in my mind because I heard you right then. But I'm going to tell you something. You are not just somebody sitting on a pew that has no authority in the spirit. It's time for you to act like you're the Israel of God. It's time for you to approach Red Seas and expect them to part. It's time for you to walk up to your walls of Jericho and expect them to come down. It's time for you to pray prayers and expect God to answer those prayers because you're the Israel of God. You're not just a nobody. You're God somebody. I'm expecting revival. I'm expecting an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm expecting that to put more water in that baptistry so much because it's coming, not because it's evaporating, but because it's getting carried out on baptism robes one after another, after another, because we're the Israel of God. I'm expecting miracles, signs, wonders. I'm expecting breakthroughs for some of your families. I'm expecting the bless. I'm expecting your son, some of you to get more raises than you've ever got this year. Why? Because you are the Israel. Of God. He's not just the God of Israel. You're the Israel of God. You ought to raise your hands and say, God, I thank you because I'm your chosen. I thank you, God, because I'm the apple of your eye. I thank you, God, because your eye is on me and you hear me when I pray. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how much you've messed up, you got a brand new year coming. It doesn't matter how bad the past has been. you got a brand, a brand new, clear future. you got to view yourself like God views you. He views you as his Israel. He views you as his people. He views you as his instrument to reach this world. He views you as revival prayers. He views you as difference makers. He views you as life changers. You are the Israel of God. I wish you'd lift your hands all over this place. And I wish you'd say, God, help me to get every negative thought the devil sends my way out of my mind. I believe what the devil tells me the first time he says it, but the pastor has to preach message after message to make me believe that I can really do what God says I can do. I'll put faith in what the, how, how big of a loser the devil tells me I am and how much of a failure I am. And how there's no way I'll ever make it. And I'll believe it the moment the devil says it. But not anymore. From this time forward, God, I'm praying an anointing on my mind. Come on, help me right now. I'm in the Holy Ghost for somebody right now. I want you to lay your hand on your own head. And I want you to pray for yourself. And I want you to say, God, I'm asking for a fresh anointing to touch my mind. To help me realize I am the Israel of God. I'm your chosen I'm the apple of your eye. I'm part of your church. And you've anointed my life to be blessed so all the world can look at me and know that there is a God in Israel because there's an Israel of God. I want you to pray, God, help me to get that discouragement out of my mind. And let me get that depression out of my mind. 
and help me get that negativity out of my mind. Come on, I want you to pray right now. God, help me to get that fear out of my spirit that I'm just one step away from messing up and breaking down. God, that's not the way I'm supposed to think because I am the Israel of God. Oh, come on. Anybody feel what I'm feeling right now? I'm trying to get us to lift our eyes higher. If God was through with you when you got the Holy Ghost the first time, he'd have taken you out of this world because there'd have been no reason for you to be left behind. But God didn't choose to take you out the day you got the Holy Ghost. God didn't choose to get you out of here the moment that you were born again. He didn't do it because he has a plan for you. You are not just a commodity that he can just replace. You are the Israel of God. I want you to reach over and close to somebody and pray for somebody close to you. And I I want you to pray. I, I sincerely want you to pray one for another. That we would get a real revelation that we're the Israel of God. That God wants to pour his blessings on me. God wants to pour his anointing on me. God wants to pour his spirit on me. God wants a fresh anointing to come on my life. He wants my house to be filled with peace and mercy. He wants my life to be filled with the glory of God and the grace of God. It's not about my bank account. It's about my spiritual account. Oh, come on. Come on, I want you to help me pray all over this place. I am the Israel of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. I've been washed in His blood. I got His name on me. I got His Spirit in me. I can do all things through Christ. Because I'm the Israel of God. I wish somebody just prayed for someone. And I wish you'd shout victory. And I wish you'd say, God, help me adopt a new mindset this year. I'm going up. I'm going on. I'm going forward. I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. I'm growing. I'm not one step from failure. I'm one step from a breakthrough. I'm not one step from falling down. I'm one step from soaring higher. Because I'm the Israel of God. That's who I am. nations around them that didn't like them changed the way they thought about themselves. They listened to what the Egyptians and the Amorites and the Moabites and the Jebusites and the Hivites and the Hittites they listened to what all of them said about them and they began to to adopt the thought process of what their enemies around them thought about them. That's why God was always sending a prophet to him to remind him, you are not what the Egyptians say you are. And you are not what the Moabites say you are. And you are not what the Philistines say you are. You are the Israel of God. You are my people, and I'm going to bless you. You are my people, and my hand is on you. Let me tell you, you got to quit worrying about what the people around you that don't believe what you believe and don't value what you value. You gotta quit worrying what those people think about you. You gotta understand you are called out. You're a peculiar people. You're a holy nation. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
The hand of God is on you. I'm trying to tell somebody, the hand of God is on you. You are not a failure. You have not wasted your life. You have not gone too far. You're the Israel of God. It's one prayer, and God will restore you. You just got to understand and believe. You got to believe. You got to have a mindset change. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let a fresh anointing come on our minds. Let a fresh baptism come on our minds. God, I pray, let your spirit permeate our thought process. Help us to cast down. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Help us to cast down imaginations. Help us to cast down thoughts that are against your will. Mindsets that are against your purpose. Mindsets that are against your mission. Help us adopt, oh God, the mindset of the Israel of God. I walk up to the Red Sea, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep walking because God's going to part it because that's what he does for the Israel of God. You know what I'm going to do when I come up against a, a wall of Jericho and I feel like I can't get victory? I'm just going to keep walking and shouting because that's what the Israel of God does because the God of Israel. I'm just going to expect it. Brother Craig, the next time you give your testimony, I want you to expect somebody's life is going to be touched because that's what happens when the God of Israel shows up for the Israel of God. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. I said glory to God. I expect the God of Israel to show up for the Israel of God. Sister Kim, you walk in that house and you declare the promises and the blessings of God because that's what the, the Israel of God does. somebody just throw their hands up and begin to declare victory over whatever your obstacle has been whatever your issue has been I want you just to begin to declare the glory of God hey come on I'm the Israel of God, so I'm going to worship like I'm the Israel of God. I'm going to worship like I've got victory. I'm going to shout like I've got victory. I'm going to praise Him like I've got victory. I'm going to walk in my victory. I'm going to celebrate His presence. I'm going to celebrate His glory. I'm going to shout before I see the answer because I'm the Israel of God, and I'm expecting God to do it. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I wish somebody hadn't shouted in a long time would just shout because you're the Israel of God. The glory of God is coming your way. The presence of God is coming your way. The power of God is because that's what the God of Israel does for the Israel of God. Bring your burden. 
for revival. First you must believe, then you will receive. Be ready for revival. Can you hear it? Can you hear the Savior's call?
I'm glad I'm a peculiar people. Not just me, but we are a peculiar people. We are considered by the world to be a bit strange. We act out in ways that they don't, unless you go to a ball game, then they will. But they think it's strange that we'd come to church where they're quiet and peaceful and don't act up, but we let our praise out to God. There's a reason. He's done so much, we can't hold it back. We got to let it out. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Let's remember we got uh, tomorrow night from 6 to 8. Anybody involved in any way here at Bethlehem Church from 6 to 8 at Ferguson's on Highway 30 going toward Oxford. Uh, they have it reserved for us, and you can eat all you want to eat of all different sorts. Come out and enjoy. And let's also remember Tuesday night we have choir practice for all those. What time? 6.30 on Tuesday night for all those choir practice members involved in singing in any, any way that you know who you are. Come prepared. Let's remember Wednesday night service. Come again next week ready to worship the Lord. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus. Amen.